We are so thankful to have all of our podcasts sponsored here on Three Beards Media by Revelton Distilling Company. Not only do they have amazing products, but they have a beautiful tasting room as well. You can enjoy those spirits while listening to live music each Saturday. They have live music and food trucks on June 18th and the 25th of this month, but they also have a special Father's Day event on Sunday, June 19th. The best way to know what's going on is to go check them out on their Twitter or Instagram page at DC or follow their Facebook page. Head down to 1400 West Clay Street in Osceola, Iowa and tell Rob and Christy we said hi. This podcast contains material that is intended for mature audiences and may not be suitable for all listeners. Enjoy! I don't want to get on the bandwagon I'll burn that wagon down and join the band Traveling troubadours terrorizing street corners Just to try to get some supper in our hands Now I waited all my life to get this off my chest Green bloody murder until someone understands That it ain't about the money, the drugs, or the women I make this noise just because I can And we'll all join in that original sin So let's get rowdy and reckless Let's get rowdy and reckless Let's get rowdy and reckless Just for the hell of it Just for the hell of it Hello and welcome back to yet another edition of Old Man Strength A podcast brought to you by Three Beards Media and Revelton Distilling Company. I am Tim Johnson, joined as always by Chris Shipley. Chris, how are we doing this evening? It's hot. It's hot uh, out. Sweating to death. But I'm doing good. Not bad. It it has been it has been very warm. Um uh, it's been very warm back in the brewery. We had a carbon monoxide. Alarm going off in the brewery, so we had to open up the garage door when it was like you know 101 degrees out. So that was not terribly pleasant. That's, um, that sounds terrible. Yeah, it was. It was. It was not fun. But you know, we're surviving. How? Uh, how was your Father's Day? Uh, it was pretty good. Uh, we. Uh, I mean, Mom uh, was in the hospital uh, during it, uh, but she's home now. But. Uh, other than that, it was good. Uh, the kids hung out. Caitlin was nice to me all day. Um, so that was nice. And, uh, <laughs> the greatest free, gift you could get. Right? I know. I was a little disappointed every year she posts some stupid video that she has, you know, secretly recorded me off Snapchat throughout the year and then post Father Day posts and she didn't post it this year. So I was slightly disappointed in that. But I think that's because all of the the stuff that she's recorded this past year, she's just ashamed of, I think. Right. Probably. That's sure. <laughs> Excellent. Well, yeah, man, uh, it, it's been, it's been, uh, it, it was a good father's day for me, but yeah, it has been, uh, miserable. I've been hiding in the basement. Um, happy to kind of get away from that all ready for, for a change, ready for some exciting things we have going on this summer. Uh, as we uh, keep on talking about our partners over there at Revelton Distilling Company. Yeah, super excited for what they got going on down there. Uh, they've got a couple more events uh, uh, the next uh, few Saturdays. They have a nice uh, 4th of July celebration that they're going to have on going on down there. Uh, even go down there, have some drinks, wait for the fireworks to show up on 4th of July. They're going to 
it's going to be a good time down there. So uh, we've got some exciting announcements coming up here and uh, some things moving. So it's uh, it's a good time to to hop on board. Excellent. Well, uh, I don't want to delay any more. I'm excited to talk to our guest. Uh, we have already talked to one member of his family, uh, but why don't you go ahead and introduce who we are going to be talking to this evening? Yeah, so on a whim, uh, just scrolling through Twitter the other day, reached out to uh, this gentleman, uh, offered to bring him on to uh, a cyclone theme podcast, even <laughs> though he's a, a diehard hawk, uh, former long snapper for the Iowa Hawkeyes. Uh, he's now a fitness and nutrition coach and co-host of uh, probably one of the most popular Hawkeye podcasts out there, Washed Up Walk-Ons, even I listen occasionally uh, to, to uh, you know, it's not all hate in the state sometimes, but uh, <laughs> Tyler Kluver, thanks for hopping on with us. Appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited to be here. I, yeah, I'm a, I don't know if I'm as diehard as most people would maybe assume, but I mean, obviously I'm a fan. Well, <laughs> as he fans. literally has has uh i do uh, yeah i've got the hawks by a million flag back that was because right. i just recorded our show <laughs> by myself i had to go solo tonight on a whim and uh usually usually when i'm meeting with clients or somebody else i'll have my like my blurred background but this is this is what you got so you guys have to look at that for the hour <laughs> that's okay I, I, the irony that it's hawks by a million and there's no way that that offense could score a million points is not lost on me at all. We don't so. need. We don't need it to. The defense. <laughs> the defense and special teams scores our points. I get, no, I, we're I, aware. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I did. I did uh, see a stat the other day, and and Tyler, I'm not picking on the Hawks, but I thought it was really fascinating that that, that they were like one of like three teams that had uh, a positive turnover margin, but still a negative yards gained uh, margin on the season last year, um, which. It, to your point, if if defense and special teams is going to score with the points, then who 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 needs an offense? Right. Yeah, it's um. I mean, I, I, I mean, you could listen to our show too. I, I I'm not a homer by any means. Like the offense is terrible. Can I cuss on the show? <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah, please. Yes. I'm gonna say the offense is fucking terrible. Um, <laughs> uh, it is what it is. Last year there was a lot of um, youth on the line um, outside of our, you know, maybe potentially one of the top three or five centers in the history of college football. Um, the other four were shaky at best. Uh, so a lot of youth. And then behind that, just a, a quarterback or two quarterback options, really, in my opinion, that on their best day is maybe average. So um you pair that with a running back who might have been making some business decisions, uh, <laughs> and <laughs> some ill-advised ones at that. Hindsight and offense wasn't great. Um, wild to say that you know tight ends was a good spot last year and has been since basically forever when I came in and Kittle is there and Ray Hamilton and Jake Doozy and everybody after that. Um, but wide receiver is probably our second best group and Iowa wide receiver is traditionally not the spot where you want to play. So um, <laughs> there were some issues, but you know, the somehow some way Phil Parker and the Iowa defense and the Iowa special teams, probably 
you know, hard to, hard to not say they're a top five unit across the board, punt, punt return, kick, kick return. And then just looking at the specialists as a whole, unfortunately, really since I left is kind of when they started to really just go crazy. <laughs> I think. I'm sure, um, I'm sure there's no correlation at all. Tyler. <laughs> well, hopefully I laid a little bit of the groundwork or something, um, but I'll, I'll take no credit. They over the last five years have been a top five unit. And you pair that with a defense that, statistically I'm not exactly sure where they rank, but it had to be top 15. Um, in some stats, it was top five, top 10. Um, and you got an offense, uh, or you've got a combination that can help balance out the offense. It makes for some really weird football. Um, they went 10 and two last year and, and people were pissed every week. I mean, <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's just, um, sort of a weird year to be an Iowa football fan. Is it <clears throat> watching it from an outsider's point of view? I mean, I, I, I could see that the offense struggled and, and I didn't live and die with, with every game. I, I root for Iowa when they're not playing Iowa state. I'm okay with that. I'd like to see them do well, but <clears throat> is it hard to, do you find that most Iowa fans were blind to the fact that they were, not as good as maybe their record shows as far as the, the, the offense and things like that, or were people just going along with the ride? Um, well, I think that's a, an interesting perspective. I think it, at least in my opinion, after 12 games, like you are as good as your record. Um, I think again, like fair. it's, it, it's, it's that when I say it's weird to be a fan, and that people are pissed because we're 10 and two and it's not fun to watch them. It's because they're doing it in the most sort of outlier, non-traditional way, which is they're going to score a defensive touchdown. They're going to grab special teams points and hidden yardage. And the offense is going to be atrocious, maybe average on a good day. And they're going to win by three or seven points. Yes. You could say like after so long, and it keeps happening. That is just the way that that football team wins games. Um, it, and I know that people attribute how good a team is to how good offensively they are usually, but it is a three phase game in the, at the end of the year, they were the big West champions. They went to, you know, the bowl down in Florida. Um, and, and the other teams weren't in that big 10 championship game. So um, yeah, but I, I, I think, I think that people didn't really go along for the ride. Like, and this is just my opinion too, but fans get so caught up in like dumb shit. Honestly, like yeah. your team's 10 and two, like be happy. Yeah, yeah no, I, I would agree. I would say most uh, Iowa fans I'm familiar with were uh, pissed off most of the season. Yeah. I, uh, and, and, you know, it's it's one of those things where like, man, I'd rather be boring and, and successful. Uh, Absolutely. Right. And and the games were like you said, you know, they, they'd win by three. They were pretty pedestrian. They were there's. If there was drama on the season, it was because they were close to a team they shouldn't have been close to. They still managed the win. Uh, there was never any game where I think any Iowa fan felt, Hey, we are confident. We're dominating. We're whatever because of the, the, the 
noted, as you mentioned, the noted kind of mundacity of that offense. Uh, and so I think certainly people were probably upset that, that man, we're winning and I can barely stand to watch the game type of, of they, they can't enjoy it because they don't feel any sense of control. I mean, yeah. that's in the end, that's, that is what it is. Um, it's, I don't know. It, it's, uh, <laughs> it, it's, it's a tough way to live your life. If you, if you can't find a way to be happy about, I mean, that just, that, that goes a whole lot deeper than just football, but if you can't be happy over something that you can't control and is a hobby, and that's gonna that's gonna ruin your day or ruin your week. And then you got issues. Well, you probably have issues if you're living and dying with a with a game played by eighteen to twenty two year old kids, as it is, right? I, I think so. I think so. And I we take you know we've taken shit before on the show about how you know the fans are great. They allow us to play the game and um, you know allow the game to be what it is. Seventy thousand people in the stands on Saturday and millions watching across TV across, you know, uh, across the season. But when it comes to, I mean, when you talk about real shit, like, you know, people that people go through in their lives, um, it's a football game. And so people get a little worked up. They don't think the sun's going to come up and, um, I hate when I, I'm a, I'm a person who, even though I played and I like, uh, I would still call myself, I'm kind of getting old 20, going to be 28 this year, but recent graduate, right? Like just five years ago, um, this last class that just graduated was the freshman class that came in when I was a senior. So pretty close to the program still. And like, if Iowa loses a game, I'm over it in like 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. And most like, a lot of people and that, that also may be shifted and swung towards the way I had to deal with it when I was a player. Cause that's kind of how you have to deal with it. Like you, you got to move on cause you got a new team and already in the, in the, um, you know, in the windshield that's needs your full attention. But I've always also just been a person. It's like, all right, well it's in the past. Like can't do anything would be dumb to let a, a football game on a Saturday. Um, you know, make me pissed to wake up on Monday and like go about my day. Like it just doesn't make any sense. So that's a whole other conversation that I've gotten into, you know, into arguments with, with our own fans. No, I, uh, I'd like to actually kind of talk about that more, but I I actually want to take a a step back a little bit. So for our listeners who are not familiar with you, Tyler, could, could you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself uh, your journey and, and what you're doing now. Yeah. Um, for anybody that's listening, that listens to our show on a regular basis, they're currently rolling their eyes going, Oh, here we go. We got to f- listen to this guy talk again. Um, <laughs> I'll try to make it short. It's um, their own fault. They're the one that chose to listen, knowing that you were on here. Yeah, that's so. true. Um, uh, born and raised Marshalltown, Iowa, um, 1994. Um, and I grew up with my dad as you know my coach for everything. And if it wasn't my dad, it was one of my friends' dads playing sports, um, played soccer until I got a red card when I was seven, cried, walked off the field, never played that again. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, was too aggressive. So football was a little bit more my style. 
played basketball um, and football all the way through high school, uh, baseball until ninth grade. Um, I was, you know, typical athlete, just one of the athletes of the grade. Um, was never special uh, by any means. I'm five ten. I I was I grew a little bit sooner than a lot of kids did. So high school football wise, freshman year, I was like dominating. And then everybody caught up like sophomore and as we got older, like 16, 17, 18 years old. So about that time, sophomore year, I realized <clears throat> I, uh, I was not going to be Josie Jewell, or I guess for this <laughs> podcast, I wasn't going to be, I was not going to be Mike Rose. Mm-hmm. Um, I was not going to be, um, Klein. I wasn't going to be any of those linebackers and that's what I played. And that's what I love to do. I played linebacker from third grade all the way through senior year. And I was good at the high school level chasing slow kids from Iowa, um, you know, like Mason city and Fort dot, like I could beat up on those kids. I was like a first team, all state linebacker, but I wasn't going D one. And my dad, um, played for the Hawks played. He was a third string for two years, um, back in the eighties. Um, so, you know, growing up, I'd always seen like pictures of him and the team picture and his practice jerseys. So Iowa football was kind of always like the dream, right? Like it is for any kid who plays football in Iowa. It's either Iowa or Iowa state. Um, and, um, I, you know, of course I wanted to find a way to play division one. And about that time I was 15, uh, it was freshman season. Uh, that was the year that Marshalltown miraculously made a run to the state championship, beat Dowling on a last, basically a last second play in the semis and then played Iowa city, city high in the championship. And Marshalltown never does that. Like it it was the only time it's ever happened. Probably the only time it ever will. And because my dad was a coach, I was along for the ride that season playing like special teams kickoff as a freshman because I was bigger. I was kind of getting playing time. And I had been the long snapper for like eighth grade and my freshman year team. Um, the senior year line, senior linebacker, uh, middle linebacker and long snapper blew his knee out in the semifinals. So I had to run in, in the dome and snap <laughs> against Dowling and, and city high um, in the, in the last quarter of the semis in the full championship game. And then I was kind of set to take over as the starting middle linebacker as a sophomore the next season. And everybody just kind of like, it wasn't even a discussion. It's like, all right, well, you're going to do the long snapping too. Um, at that point, when I kind of knew I wasn't going to be the D1 linebacker, um, I decided to start focusing on long snapping. And part of that was a connection, a family connection to the biggest special teams uh, camp in the country, which is Cole's kicking run by Jamie Cole, <clears throat> former Iowa state kicker who happened to kick at the time when my uncle was his long snapper. Oh, so, wow. Corey Kluver, my mm-hmm. dad's brother was the starting long snapper in 96, 97 for the cyclones. And he knew how to do it. Um, we went to all his games. I was in Iowa state fan, I guess. I mean, I was, you can find me in Iowa state clothes up through like third or fourth grade. Um, and so that's kind of why Shelly, we're going to need some of that, uh, (laughs) some of that footage. Um, and yeah. And so that's kind of why I did it. And then we got hooked up with the, with Jamie, 
I started going to camps. <clears throat> I got, there's a lot of luck involved in my story. I was some, for some stupid reason, like why would I or anybody be good at long snapping? But I just was for some reason, I just had a knack for it. Um, those camps run on a ranking system. The first camp I went to, I come away ranked 11th in the country in the huh. class of 2013. Um, and that was really the eye opener for me. Like, Oh shit, I might be able to do this at the highest level because at the time I'm ranked 11th and I could get on the same website and look at the class before me and look at the top 10, 15 guys that were ranked, um, in the class of 2012 and all of them had committed to a division one football school. So from that point on, um, when I see something can be done, that's no longer a, like a hope. It's now the expectation. Mm-hmm. So as the 11th ranked guy, in my mind, it's like, oh, I'm going D1 now. Like, that's just what it is. I'm going to do what I can to climb the ranks from 11 to as high as I can go, but I'm going to end up D1 somewhere, um, which is crazy to think now that that was my mindset, but that's just how I went about it. Um, kept going to camps, went, got all the way ranked to fourth my senior year. And this is like on the cusp of when special teams rankings and being like ranked high was starting to be cool. It still wasn't cool. (laughs) When you're the fourth ranked lineman or DB in the country, that's fucking cool. When you're the fourth ranked long snapper, nobody cares. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you, you never, you, when you see all these, you know, 40 and 50 year old guys geeking out about uh, recruiting commitments, you never see anyone be like, Oh man, look like, look at the, this long snapper we'd sign today yeah. like that. It, it doesn't happen. You're right. You can, you can sign the number one guy in the class, the number one kicker in the class, the number one punter in the class in the country. And it still doesn't matter. No one gives yeah. a shit. Like, so, and especially because those rankings are a little, like those might not be le- there, There's more variance in special teams because it's so mental. Mm-hmm. A lot of the other rankings, those guys are going to come in <clears> and they're playing football. They're, it's athletic. It's it's on the fly. It's ability. Well, and I and I can give you stats too. Like I can tell you, this running back has X number of yards. Right. Like what stats do you really show for a long snapper to really show? Right. Yeah. It's just it, it it just doesn't matter as much. So I'm number four. I'm going into like it's right around this time my junior summer going into senior year, um, and I was pretty happy. Like I had gone to the Iowa camp, Northern Illinois, Minnesota, um, Nebraska. I was getting, I had basically all but been officially offered from Wyoming and Eastern Michigan. And so I had options and my dad's like, Hey, let's go to one more camp for the summer just to tune up for the season. Um, and it happened to be like the big, it's called the national showcase camp, um, which is where the top two kickers, punters, and long snappers, just top two, one for each team, get selected for the Under Armour All-American game. Um, I went up to the camp, had no expectations, wasn't even really aware of like what the Under Armour thing was or that that was the end-all, be-all of this specific camp. Long story short, I go up and have a great weekend. I was, I was in great snapping shape. I was on fire um, sort of that summer, and I won the camp. And I was like the automatic bid for the Under Armour All-American game, which like sort of then changed things um, a- another level. I got a letter from Saban. I got a letter from Auburn, Miami, 
um, at that point, they're like, okay, because those teams all call Jamie Cole and they go, hey, give me your top three guys mm-hmm. and then we'll bring them in and we'll look at them. So I was, uh, I was the second choice for Bama. Um, I was the second choice for Auburn. I was the second choice for Nebraska. Um, a lot of second choices, probably due to my size, um, which ended up being a repeat situation when it came time to train for the NFL. Um, <laughs> but nonetheless, um, Iowa, I had gone in and snapped for them and struck up a, a relationship where they're like, Hey, you know, you're on our recruiting list. Now you're going to come to the Saturday recruiting trips, whatever. And the first game of the year was you and I in 2012. Um, and the, you know, before that game on the Saturday, like lunch, um, at the time it was coach Lester herb. He since moved on from Iowa, but he's like, Hey, um, you know, we've, we've got a walk on sport spot for you if, if you're interested and we'd love if you were a Hawkeye. And I don't know why I wasn't just like, yep, I'm in right there. I tried to like play it cool. Um, I came back the week later and told him like all serious, like, yeah, I'm, I'd love to be a Hawkeye. But inside I was like, holy shit, I'm going to be a Hawkeye. Um, so that was my journey. Like it's so hard to get your foot in the door of a division one football program. And somehow I did it. Um, more luck happened. It happened to be a year where Iowa had a senior long snapper who had one season left. And then I was literally the second guy on the roster for some reason, like they had attrition, couple guys left when it came time for spring ball in 2014, I was the only guy I didn't even have to earn my job. Um, so I stepped into four years of, of starting, uh, still to this day, and it will be hard to beat unless they go to multiple big 10 championships in a, in a guy's career. Um, I, I hold the, the record for most consecutive starts as a Hawk at any wow. position. Oh, wow. Um, with 53, and I had a, you know, I did my job. I worked hard um, and was able to, to be a decent long snapper, had a good career. Like I said, NFL didn't want me. Um, got out a year later. It's our first year out of, of playing. We're watching like the third game of the year and me and my boys are talking like, damn, this sucks. Like I really wish we were still playing. And uh we're telling stories to each other and we're laughing just in a, in a text conversation. And someone goes, it would be cool if we could like write a book or like come out with these stories somehow and like share these with the fans or share the behind the scenes with the fans. Not like the crazy inside Iowa football secrets or anything, but just like an inside perspective. Sure. And I was like, well, we could do a podcast and I'm tech savvy enough to put that together. An hour later, I figured it out. A week later, we recorded episode one. And what started as a show where we thought maybe 500 or 1,000 people would listen has turned into nearing 3 million downloads, um, a a brand that sells merchandise and has a, a, a whole paywall with private content behind it. We're like an actual business with like three tiers of income. Um, and worth, you know, as of the episode I just recorded before I got on here, we're 327 episodes deep and it just, again, just got lucky. Like no one was doing it and people enjoyed us and we're unfiltered. 
and we're pretty straightforward and we don't hold back and so, so you you definitely went pro based off of your college career just maybe at a slightly different trajectory than you had thought um yeah i it just just weird like i, I don't know i what people hit me up all the time and they're like hey i'm going to start a podcast you have any tips and advice and i'm like don't expect to make any money cuz it's probably not going to happen like I, even when people like say like oh you guys have done so well like uh, when they give us the credit, I still deflect that because it's not like I'm sp- like, sp- I don't know. It's not like I'm special or the other two guys I'm with are, sp- well, one of them is pretty special, but um, like our platform, because we played for the university allowed us to have a lot of followers. And then because we were just authentic and wanted to talk Iowa football and we happened to also play Iowa football a year previous, people wanted to listen now, I guess the staying power of the brand and what it's turned into, yeah, maybe there was some, you know, sort of untapped potential that for some reason the three of us and the way we vibe on a on a microphone, on a podcast and my ability and fortunate life situation to be able to pursue it as an actual business and have consistency and put out consistent episodes and create other branches that make money like the the merchandise and the private content for subscribers and stuff like that. There was some business savvy in there, but I don't know. It just the right mixture of falling into the right place, right time. What, what, what was your major in college? My major is in exercise science, which is actually the other half of what I do. So, you know, when people ask what I do, it's kind of weird to tell them I'm a podcaster. Like people don't really get that. Um, I do say it because at this point it is true. Mm-hmm. I personally actually do make a 50, like the, the 50% of the, my income actually comes from the wash of walk-ons, which is so sick. It's like the dream couldn't have it any better. My life is crazy, insane, just fortunate. Um, and the other 50% is exercise science major, big time into CrossFit. I'm actually, it doesn't pay the bills, but a large percentage of my days is spent being basically a professional CrossFit athlete at this point, which I started getting into a couple of years ago and really made serious last fall. Um, and with that, I, I remote coach people. That's what I say. It's so weird to like kind of describe (laughs) it. Essentially it's like, I'm a personal trainer that doesn't actually do the sessions with you. Right. Um, I program you're neither personal nor train, <laughs> right? Like I, so I, I will, I will meet with you, create an entire customized workout plan based on your goals. Um, and also work with you on nutrition strategy and sort of diet. Um, but it's all from a remote sort of setup where once I give you the program, it's on you to go into the gym every day and hit it. And then we'll talk about it on a weekly basis over a zoom call. On that same Zoom call, we'll go over, you know, the last week of tracked food. So I'm I'm an online coach and I run about 16 clients right now, one-on-one clients with that. Um, so, you know, my entire day, Monday through Friday, is essentially you know, doing social media for both of those things, um, as well as programming workouts on a daily basis, new stuff every day for a new client for a new month. Um, scheduling podcast guests, editing the podcast, putting that together, publishing it, 
Um, the podcast has grown to a spot where like we're, we're under iHeart, like sure. I'm not even sure we're just a part of iHeart's network. So we're signed with them. So oftentimes I'm reading and doing, um, you know, cutting sponsorship reads or ad reads for them or doing other stuff because I kind of do other work for iHeart as well. Um, it's just kind of random every day and I get to do two things that are awesome and that I love and that I don't even consider work. So, um, that is who I am and what I do. And, um, that's 15 minutes of me talking about myself and you can (laughs) clearly tell that I enjoy talking about myself and hearing myself speak. So I'll shut up now, but, um, it's more, it comes from a place, it comes from a place of like, I, I try to get across how stupid and unique my life is. And it just like, I don't know. It's, it's incredible. Taylor, I, I'm sure as a podcast guest, you you can or podcast host, you can relate to the idea of, boy, I bring on guests so they don't talk. Yeah, 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 <laughs> absolutely. I, you're, yeah. you're right about that. So for you guys, you guys are sitting here going, "Wow, this is fucking great." Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Because I've I've I do have those times where, not even when we have guests, guests, it's really easy. But on our normal show, it's me and the other two. And the other two aren't necessarily the most inclined to really elaborate and go into detail and talk about another subject because it, and so I have to sort of be the producer and kind of guide the flow of the show. And oftentimes I have to interject and revamp a conversation so that they can keep going. And when we get a guest that just keeps talking, I just sit there and I'm like, wow, this is great. All I have to do is take the file and edit this when we're done. <laughs> right. I, I don't have to be, I don't have to do it or create any content here. It's That's just, the, there are times, there are times where I'll have an episode and I'll be like, I, I I'll write little marks down of time or whatever, just to go back and find it. And I'll, and I'll look and go, I maybe got five minutes of editing here. Yeah. Right. Yep. Like there wasn't any bad parts where zoom kicked out or, yep. or, you know, or, or this or that, or there was some awkward, or somebody dropped any of that stuff. So I totally, I get it. I I'm curious because we've talked a lot about um, on this podcast about um, challenges in life or when you, when you are faced with something and you're like, okay, do I have enough courage to do this? Is this really what I should do? Sure. I'm guessing not being, not doing a podcast before and not expecting this to, to, to be where it was at. At some point it came about where you were like, I got to make a decision here. Is this really something that I can do? and make a living at it and or is this just a pipe dream like at some point there's a decision you have to make of whether or not you have enough courage to go okay i'm gonna do this yeah again there definitely was some of that and i'll i'll describe that in my own way here in a second but pretty fortunate on on this front too where again because of our platform it, it it all happened so fast right i graduated in December and played my last game and then whatever January this was back when I was still had a Twitter ban so I get on Twitter and you know over the course of those six eight months I go from like 1200 followers on Twitter to 5,000 right just because I'm tweeting about Iowa and so sort of like you know the Twitter condensed version of what we do with the podcast I was giving inside perspective thoughts and opinions all this stuff in the hawk world and people saw it as, oh, this guy's a player who provides value to me in my Hawkeye hobby. On so, so we'll follow him. And so, when we 
and you guys will relate to this. People who don't have a podcast probably don't understand the numbers behind this. We launched our podcast and obviously we're pumping it on Twitter. The first week we had 1200 people listen to it in this, in the first seven days. I thought that was nuts. The second week we had 3,500 listen to the second episode. By week three, we had hit 5,000 downloads <laughs> per episode in its first seven days, which is one of the sort of metrics. So like, that's, that's dumb, Tyler. That's stupid. <laughs> right? Right? Like I didn't earn, we didn't earn that. People were just like, shit, we got former Iowa football players who have a podcast and you know, we were God, those first episodes were God awful, but they were better than anything else. Cause there wasn't anything else. Right. So everybody's telling their friends and tweeting about it. And it's just like word of mouth. So for those that don't quite understand that on a financial level, our audience quickly, almost immediately was at a level that was monetizable at a serious level. Now, like instantaneously, instantaneously. Yeah, we did. We definitely did not capitalize on that for way too long. And it actually hurts me a little bit that we didn't. But again, like I didn't know what we were doing. Right. <laughs> you just didn't know. I didn't, you know, you didn't know what I, you were sitting on. We probably. were on episode three. No one even knows if this thing's going to go past six episodes. Right. So, so the dilemma of, and I, I know what you're talking about. A lot of people um, who, who get into content creation, whether it be being a YouTuber or a podcaster or whatever it may be, Called an influencer. That's a fucking horrible word. Um, <laughs> We're content, not influencing con- shit on this show. The, the, <laughs> the phrase "content creator" was not a thing. That not a thing. It, certainly, like when Chris and I were growing up, and we were asked, "What do you want to be when you grow up?" Content creator would not be a thing. Like ever, yeah, ever no. uttered out of our mouths. Yeah. And sure. so, and so, a lot of people nowadays who can make money on the internet and with their own personal brand there is a grind period of, I really got to yeah. like, you got to establish yourself so, or, or, or I got to do this in my free time after my nine to five yeah, or right. something to where I have to build this for months, maybe years to a level at which, okay, I could finally quit the secure paycheck and I'm actually making enough money to sustain myself. And even most people, when they finally do that, they're like barely getting by but then they finally have their whole day, their whole week to start to, you know, to, to put into the content creation. So it takes off and they finally get to a level that's comfortable. For me, there was a, a little bit of that. Right out of college, I got a job basically volunteering at a CrossFit gym because before podcaster remote coach was going to be my thing, I was going to own a CrossFit gym. Um, I, I found CrossFit in 2012, basically had six months to mess around and, and do it and, and enjoy the sport side of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and really just all sides of CrossFit. And then I was into Iowa football where I didn't really get to do CrossFit because we were training for division one football and that's a whole different sort of thing. Um, but it was always a hobby on the backside of when I was in school, exercise science degree. Cool. I'm going to get out. I'm going to own my own gym. It's that fucking easy. I thought. Um, <laughs> I, I and, do love the, the naive na- naivete of being twenty two. Oh, it, and 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 so I thought, cool. I'll go get. I'm gonna have to grind for a little bit. 
Um, my wife, who I grew up with from sixth grade at Marshalltown through, she was, I did five seasons because of the red shirt. Mm-hmm. So she was working her first year of work, which she's a teacher was my senior year. So she had already established herself here in Waukee where we live. So there was income, right? And we were engaged going into that in my final season. So we were going to be together. We were both pretty good with money. So we're not, I'm not going to come out of college and we're not going to be dead broke, but I got to find some way to make money. Right. So I was going to volunteer coach my way up into an assistant coach position, into a head coach position, into a part ownership position. And then finally, maybe in three to five years, I'll have enough capital to open my own gym and run. And that was, while I love coaching and love CrossFit, that was not the way. Um, It just wasn't for many reasons. So while I was volunteering, I got a job managing a a kid's Ninja Warrior gym like six hours a day. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. It just like standing at the front desk, checking kids in and sending them back to the jungle gym. (laughs) <laughs> it helped it helped pay the bills right here and go 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 break a leg right um there were there were several actually more of the injuries came from the adults the parents who tried to get in and do it as well um <laughs> but that gave me some sort of income right 30 hours a week um while we figured it out right it was it was enough and then um and in my head it was like cool until I find a full-time fitness coaching job at a gym somewhere, this will do. So there wasn't a whole lot of that stress you're asking about, that courage where I'm like, oh, I'm really taking a chance here. Eventually, I found a job coaching at a place called Elite Edge. It was basically a a full-time gig. Um, I got that job in October of 2019. I got fired, let go, because the gym wasn't doing well five months later, two weeks before COVID happened. So there was like a two week period where I was like, fuck, I got to figure out what I'm going to do. And I had been doing the podcast and it had grown into like, eh, you know, we're making 300, 400, 500, maybe 600 bucks a month on the podcast, but split between the three of us, $600 a month is two grand a year for you. Right. That's, that's not going to do much. And again, lucky, um, I get laid off. I was going on a trip with my in-laws and my wife. So I was going to wait till I came back to actually like seriously look into getting a, finding a job in that two week span, two 30 in the morning, I'm laying awake and I'm like, I have this like lucid dream half in half out full two hour session where I create what I still run to this day is known as the 30 day challenge. Mm-hmm. it's a fitness challenge I run that's based on like intermittent fasting. And it's very simple, just 30 days to kind of get your shit together, both nutritionally and exercise wise. And I launched the challenge like the day before we go to vacation in the Cayman islands. And in the time it took that we left the airport and we're traveling and then we land at the connection flight. And then we get down to the, to the Caymans in like 12 hours I made $7,000. Oh, wow. I sold the chat. I sold the challenge for like 70 bucks and a hundred people joined like, and a light bulb went off. I was, I've always, again, I've always felt like 
I was different and I was going to find a way to do it different. I don't know how to describe that. It's just a feeling I've had. And I'd find my own path. I had been making a little buddy, little bit of money on the podcast and saw the potential there, which is a lot of the reason why we stayed consistent with it. And then I started making a little money entrepreneurially, if you want to call it that way, through just a Shopify store and a challenge. After the challenge, I started taking on clients for X amount of money per month. And I was like, well, I ain't ever fucking working again. Like, there's no way. I'm doing this. Right. No, no, Tyler, I, I hate you because of this. Like, like, like that's, that's literally been the idea is to find something that, that people can latch on you and you're humble enough to say that it's luck, but it's really ingenuity and, and leveraging the opportunities that you've been given. Right. I I think, I think that's one of the the amazing things you mentioned, you know, you've got listeners because people like to hear what, what athletes have to say. Sure. Right. I mean, like that's the, the whole appeal of, of Draymond Green. I mean, you, oh, can, yeah. you can argue whether or not Draymond Green should be doing a podcast in the middle of an NBA. I think it's great. Championship series. Yeah, I, I, I think it is, too. I, I do understand why people would think it's a distraction or whatever. But I mean, listen, if Dennis Rodman is hanging out with Carmen Electra in the middle of the finals, I don't think a podcast well, I, is I legend. I don't I don't think <laughs> Dennis Rodman is necessarily a thing that too many athletes necessarily. I, I'm not saying he was not a fantastic, unbelievable defender and rebounder. <laughs> But I don't think there are a whole lot of people trying to model uh, a lot of their behavior or lifestyle after Dennis <laughs> yeah. Rodman. To answer that, that, the long, the short answer to that long-winded answer that I gave is I always just kind of had enough to where I wasn't too worried. There was definitely times where um, I was like, man, I got to figure out, I got to figure out like a steady income that's more than what I'm making, right? Like at least something respectable something that isn't like 20 grand a year. Right. Which is where I was at, like coaching part-time and the podcast and sort of that COVID thing hit and I made seven grand and that gave me a little buffer to be like, Hey, to my wife, Hey, is it okay if I pursue, like, I'm not going to go get a job somewhere. I'm going to try and do this. So there was a moment of like, can I, can I just do the pot? I think. And then what do you know, like three months later in June, a company called blue wire reaches out and they want to bring us on to their network of sports podcasts. They're like a startup out of San Francisco. We immediately start making from their advertisements that they sell on our podcast. Like we signed a one-year deal with them, spent one year with them. We were making somewhere between like 1600 and 2000 a month, which split between the three of us is 8,000 bucks, but it's a little more and it shows promise and it's something to convince the wife like, Hey, I think we can keep building this and I'm making money on the fitness stuff too. And then eventually, um, like the money just got bigger, started selling merchandise and you look up and two, three, six months later, the, the monthly income, although it's sort of comes in spurts and not always guaranteed, it's like, okay, well, I'm making a full-time income doing these two things. So I'm just going to sure. Meanwhile, you're supported by, by uh, your wife's fat teacher salary. Yeah. Super. Yeah. The super fat uh, Des, Moines public, <laughs> Des Moines public funding. So yeah. You and, you and me both, Tyler, you and me both. My <laughs> wife's a teacher for Des Moines public school. Love it. Well. Love it. And so, you know, we, we were always just like plenty. Okay. 
and we, and, and I never had to, I mean, there was, there was a, a definite time where um, in the beginning I felt super guilty because I was podcasting. I remember sitting in bed and um, there was one night where like the wife, you know, the wife doesn't in the beginning when this wasn't the job, the wife like doesn't understand why I want to go talk to my friends for an hour. And then, <laughs> right. and then back then when I didn't know what I was doing, when I didn't know what I was doing, the editing is taking me like an hour or 90 minutes. Right. So I'm, I'm spending, and then there's the upload process. So I'm, I'm spending like three hours twice a week for no R- ROI. And, um, you know, she's kind of getting irritated and there was, uh, you know, there was one night where I was like, I like sat down with her and I was like, I feel guilty because I'm doing this thing and I can feel that it's causing like a little pressure on you and you don't necessarily love it. And like, I think I broke down like crying because I was like, I I don't want to like, you know, strain the relationship because I'm doing something. And, and, and she's like, I did. And then, then she was like, I didn't know you felt that much guilt and all this stuff. And it'd be like, but there was a moment where it was like, you know, what's this whole podcasting thing about? Like, what are we doing? So it it hasn't all been roses, but way more rosy and like walking through flowers than most podcasters. I say, no, Tyler, I I get that as a, as a single dad with two barely monetized or basically not monetized podcasts. uh, I completely understand. (laughs) (laughs) And and I, I I get it too. One of the uh, things that I, I find fascinating is we've had guests on Chris Williams, John Miller, you, uh, Rob Taylor from from Revelton uh, Distilling Company. One common theme that they've had is they've all had this dream of, or this idea to to start something, and it probably is a crazy idea. But they've all had a wife that's been supportive, and that said, "I trust you. Uh, you know, let's do this together." Or you know, you go do your thing, and and and. And we're good. And that that's that's really important. I mean, I, I, even in the small scale that we do this, I get the same support from my wife. You know, she who, who you're recording with tonight. You know, I'm really proud of you for, you know, yeah, for, for what you yeah. do and, and, and the theme that you had. You know, when we talked about starting a podcast, Tim and I jokingly said we were just going to come on here and be two old men yelling and bitching all the time. And my wife was like, you know, you can do what you want, but that does not sound like any fun whatsoever. <laughs> uh, she was, you know, and she was right. Uh, and, and we've, I think, turned this into something that's that's fun and positive, and and talking to people like you that that talk about how passionate they were and 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 are authentic about what they do. But a wife, a supportive wife, has always been, uh, I think, a key in a, in a good. Yeah, know, yeah, I. Career. I, I I, there's, it, it's gotten to the point where it's like, you know, she'll, it's funny. She, we have this running joke where she has a good idea for the podcast or for something we do merch wise or an, you know, some idea that relates to yeah. the brand and she'll, you know, we'll talk about it and then I'll be like, yeah, yeah. Tomorrow when I you know sit down to do my stuff, like I'll get into that and then I'll get a notification on my phone. And it's a Venmo request for five bucks or 10 bucks <laughs> from my wife. <laughs> and it's, it's like our joke, like, okay, she's on the payroll for every good idea 
I got to pay her from our mutual account. <laughs> I, I, I was, I was going to say a one-time fee is way better than having to pay her a licensing fee. So. Right. That's right. <laughs> oh, it's funny. She, she does have a ton of great ideas and oftentimes she's the one, you know, like last year um, because of the podcast and the popularity. And I guess I, I've proven somewhat useful and valuable on a microphone. I was asked by um, the cross uh, the Cedar Rapids station to do the post-game show after Dolph and Podolak are done with their hour, hour and a half post-game. Then it goes to the local stations and the CR Iowa City region. Um, I was one of the co-hosts for that show last year. I'll probably be doing that again this year. Um, and she's the one when an opportunity comes up like that, like, like, yeah, definitely go do that. Like, she, I'm, I'm like, ah, I don't know. Then I'm going to have to like go to the games and then we're going to have to drive to like, she's following me to Cedar Rapids after night yeah. games last year <laughs> and like who wants to go to cedar rapids <laughs> like, like multiple multiple times like so we ended up we ended up going to all the home games last year and then after the home games we like uh, a few of them we left literally as time is expiring we're walking to the car so that we can get up to cedar rapids to this to the the radio station so that i can be there for when we come on and she's just sitting there listening to it she doesn't give a fuck about iowa football um, and you know, fo- just following me to Iowa city and back. Every- so it's just like, she's yeah. If I didn't have her, I don't know where I'd be. I'd be working out way more than I already do, which is already insane amount. And I'd probably be hurt all the time. And the podcast would be a runaway train show. Well, I mean, you do CrossFit. I do CrossFat, which is just different ways for me to sit on the couch, eating food. Good. Amen, brother. Um, <laughs> um, so, Tyler, what is something you so for our listeners that might not be familiar with washed up walk ons? Mm-hmm. Uh, explain a little bit more. I mean, you've kind of touched on it, but uh, tell us a little bit about uh, what that podcast is really all about. Yeah, the elevator pitch is essentially um, the elevator pitch is we are three former players who all walked onto the program, basically paid 80% or between the three of us, I think we probably paid 80% of the actual expenses of going to college at, at Iowa. Um, I was fortunate to be on two years of scholarship. Um, The other two flirted with a semester here and there towards their junior senior seasons, but all walked on, paid our, paid our way um, and all made it into the, the, the senior season, which is very elusive and, and, um, the podcast is our behind the scenes perspective from the inside, from guys who have been there unfiltered. We don't answer to anybody. We're the barstool esque podcast of Iowa football and Iowa sports in general. We'll, we'll dive into a little bit of basketball here and there. The, the big games, Caitlin Clark, the, the wrestling a little bit, um, but yeah, just the behind the scenes, unfiltered look at Iowa football from three guys who have been there. Um, during the season, we do like probably, I don't know, you guys probably do similar stuff. Like we preview the games and then we'll recap the games. Um, episodes every Monday, Thursday. Eh, over the course of a year, we'll probably miss four or five of those Mondays or Thursdays, but pretty consistent. Like I said, 327 episodes. And in the off season, we try to bring on our friends who play in the NFL or guys that they know or other relevant Iowa sport 
I, um, not icons, but figures or, or relevant people. Um, we had Jordan Bohannon on, we had, uh, one of the gymnasts on recently when they cut Iowa swimming and diving, we had a swimmer on, like, we'll have anybody who's relevant in the Iowa sports scene. And, uh, and that's it. And we're, we're a lot of it is just three bros, just bullshitting and people like that, I guess. Nice. Uh, well, we're going to we're going to take a quick break here so we can we can grab sure. a word from our sponsor. Uh, we will be back here in just a second. Once again, with Tyler Kluver. This three beard media podcast is sponsored by Revelton Distilling Company. When Rob and Christy Taylor started following the Kentucky Bourbon Trail in 2012, they fell in love with not only bourbon, but the entire distilling process. And just eight short years later, in 2020, Revelton Distilling Company was opened, offering an entire family of products, including vodka, gin, whiskey, and Revelton Shine. Come visit the tasting room at 1400 West Clay Street in Osceola, Iowa, where you can sample one of their many spirits, including four gold medal winners. Can't make it to Osceola today? Not a problem, as you can pick up some at your local Hy-Vee or Fairway grocery store. Be sure to follow Revelton Distilling on Twitter or Instagram at ReveltonDC or their website, www.reveltondistilling.com. And we are back. Once again, you are listening to Old Man Strength. If you don't know that, I don't know how you have gotten an hour in at this point. Uh, but we appreciate you listening to this podcast of Three Beards Media please go ahead and check us out on the web at threebeardsmedia.com. We have a lot of exciting things in the works, uh, more to come. Chris, any other things you want to talk about with that before we get chatting back with Tyler? I mean, let's make sure that we, you know, we plug Bitter Unit to your other podcasts, uh, the Beer Podcast with you and Aaron and JT. You guys do an amazing job on there. We have, uh, we, you know, we brought on a 23 year old social media expert, Mackenzie Duffy. So she's taking over all our social media stuff. Mikeel O'Neill. Mikeel O'Neill. That's right. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, you know, we're, we're evolving. We're, we're trying to get there, but uh, super excited for, for what we got coming up. I can't, uh, can't announce anything yet, but I have a meeting tomorrow night uh, with a new sponsor and hopefully they'll be on and then uh, maybe launching a couple new podcasts. So. Uh, the network is small but mighty. How about that? I like it. I like it. So again, we're talking with with, with Tyler Kluver of Washed Up Walk-Ons of Iowa Hawkeye uh, fame. Um, no. <laughs> Speaking of fame. <laughs> um, but no. T- so Tyler, you were talking about kind of the the how how you guys are unfiltered. You have great takes on on. Uh, anything kind of to do with with Iowa sports? Uh, have you have you heard from anyone in the athletic department in any way, shape, or form on on kind of their their thoughts? Uh, I, I imagine you're still connected with with the athletic department in, in one way, shape, or form. Uh, yeah, we. <laughs> so the coaches and a lot of the play, it's funny. I was actually just back on Thursday, almost a week ago. Um, I was asked to come in and run the long snapping portion of the special teams camp. Um, it was me running this, the long snapping portion. They had Keith Duncan and Nate Kading running the kickers and Jason, <laughs> Jason Baker and Tori Taylor running the punters. So long snappers <laughs> got the short end of the stick on that day. Um, 
but uh, you know, clearly I didn't distance myself too far to be asked back to do that. Still talk to coach Woods on a, on a probably a monthly basis, coach Wallace, who's the, the linebacker coach used to be the special teams coordinator before coach Woods talk to him on a, on a fairly often basis. They listen to the show, which is wild nuts. Mm-hmm. Even coach Ferentz has listened to several of the more popular episodes. Oh, wow. Um, which is stupid, uh, <laughs> a waste of his time, but it has happened. Um, and they are, they're very aware of what we do. Um, mm. The coaches love it. We're, we're, we're almost always pro Iowa. Like in the end, we are going to be sure. pro Iowa, right? Right. There's been plenty of times where we question coaching decisions or players but it, it's really been weird for me because the other day I walk in the complex um, when I'm, you know, when we were back in Iowa city and there's play uh, all of the players there now are guys that I did not play with. I don't know any of them personally, except for Riley Moss because he's a friend of my brother. Um, but they know who I am sure. and um, come up to me and introduce themselves Um because they've heard the podcast or because they know of the brand, the Hawks by a million, what you see behind me is, is obviously one of the more well-known pieces of, of what we do. And it's just weird that players listen to us and follow us. And uh, uh, athletic department wise, I, I don't know about athletic department. We've gotten in trouble with the licensing department. Oh, um, I don't think I'm it's sure. possible to ever talk about college sports without that. that and happened. we kind of won the battle with this whole Hawks by a million thing. We kind of got that university to back down on that, which is dope. Um, but yeah, like we still, we still talk to the coaches. There's um, once or twice or even three times a year. Sometimes uh, they do them the nights before games. They'll have alumni. Uh, what do they call them? Uh, Hawkeye legacy events for any Iowa football alumni to come back and, um, they do it like a, a brewery or the nice new end zone in Kinnick. There's, you know, a place to serve food and have a, a an event up there. So they'll bring back former players and gone to a couple of those and all the coaches still know who I am and come up and say, Hey, Clue, what are you doing? And how you doing? And how's the wife? And it's just, yeah, we're, we're still in touch and it's, it's really weird. It's I, pretty cool. I love the idea of, of coach Kirk actually listening like i I can imagine you being back in the facilities and him just looking at you and then just like shaking his head and moving on but (laughs) the question is 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 when is when is coach ference making an appearance on watchdown locker that is the that is the big question i don't i don't think that's ever going to happen (laughs) if it did it's going to be in 2029 when this new contract he just signed (laughs) is over at which point he'll be into his 70s and so i mean it would be one hell of an episode we'll get a shitload of downloads Look, look, we're I, look. I'm putting the challenge down. We have had a former Iowa State coach on. We've had the current Iowa State athletic director on our, our humble little podcast. So I'm just challenging you right there. Uh, we we no doubt could ask him. It's out of pure respect <laughs> that we <don't. laughs> um, or fear that he might actually say yes. Uh, and the thing is, is he actually <laughs> because of who he is, he's he's that kind of guy. He probably would be like, if I could find time, we'll, I'll I'll see if I can get you guys in. Um, but 
out of respect to the university, because we are sort of a, a, a an unfiltered podcast where we want guys sure. who played or who we played with to open up and tell some of the funny, more kind of out there stories that might make you look bad while you're still in the university or sure. Sure. To the university. Yep. Um, we actually don't bring on any current players or current coaches. Um, that makes sense. And that's just been like a personal rule of ours. Um, I've always joked that like when the, you know, when the content starts to slide and the, and the, uh, the brand starts to go downhill and, and become irrelevant, then that's when we'll, we'll change that rule. <laughs> have you had, well, have, you, have you had on for, former coaches? I know you said former players, but a couple, former- yeah, a couple, um, Tim Polisek came on, um, he was the O-line coach, uh, our last season and through 2020, you know, he's, uh, back as the offensive cord. He's out as the OC at Wyoming. Um, I've had a couple others on, but yeah, um, no form, uh, no, no current. Well, <clears throat> unfiltered. So we'll ask then your best unfiltered Kirk Ferentz story. Um, let's see. I mean, he would always talk about he would always talk about Penn State in like a really interesting way. Um, I don't know if it's like the most like unfiltered funny, but like he's very I mean, you've seen him like he's so well spoken mm-hmm. and he's just so hum and it's truly who he is. But like behind closed doors, locker room talk, he's still one of the guys. Mm-hmm. And so he will sit, he, he cusses all the time, especially when he gets going. And played Penn state two or three times during my time. And I think the first time, you know, he just, he, he gets a little fired up like in the first meeting of the week and he would just stand up there and say, you know what? These fucking guys, they're going to look better than you. Right. They're going to be fucking way more athletic than you. All right. And ESPN (laughs) is going to ride their dicks all week. Okay. (laughs) None of that fucking matters at all okay we and he would just keep going and he and he'll cuss and he'll like really get into it um wild crazy calf stories there just aren't any like he's just not that kind of guy but um some of his some of his team meeting speeches and we do that impression all the time on the podcast uh pretty good stuff pretty good stuff i mean he's he's a he's a I hate to use this word, but he's almost boring in some ways. You know what I mean? Like, absolutely. Very dry sense of humor. Yeah. yeah. Right. Very dry. Very, very. I mean, he's 66. I mean, (laughs) yeah, but yeah, but I mean, I've, I've seen a lot guys older than him get a lot more fired up and, and nothing seems to get him to externally. Yeah. I think he recognizes, um, and it's, uh, Man, what a what an example for me because it was one of the biggest things that I always, for some reason, latched onto of who I wanted to become as an as an adult, just a human on this earth. Was I'm I'm I always want to make decisions and react in any situation with logic and not emotion. Mm-hmm. Um, and KF is very good at that. He recognizes that anger or frustration. I mean he gets pretty fired up with some referees on the sideline. Like he will fucking slam his headset. I There's plenty of clips of that, but when it comes to like talking to the team 
he, he maybe yelled at us one time in my 53 starts, like mm-hmm. legitimately got on our ass. And that was when we were playing like shit at Rutgers. And he was basically just like, Hey, you stupid ass. Like he really went into it. <laughs> Realized that you guys should be playing way better than this. And it was like a 30 second little rant. And then he was gone. Um, but he's just like, he doesn't, he doesn't react or, or execute any reactionary plan or strategy with emotion. It's all based on logic. And it's because emotion clouds judgment and, um, and wastes time and logic is the quickest, most efficient way. And he's very good at being efficient and good. He's, and, he's, he's sort of, he's sort of anti-Fran in, in some ways. Where, uh, where Fran's emotion is out there for everyone to see at all times, which is a double-edged sword. I think it's great. It gets, I think, it gets his players riled, uh, like you know, ready to go, and and they rally around him. But uh, also, sure. I think at the same time, I think you know, Fran sometimes does coach a little bit more from emotion. Hundred percent, and it's it's you know, I'm not even saying that ignoring. And, and pushing away emotion in the face of making big time decisions in stressful situations during a game is, is the way to do it. Mm-hmm. It's just the way that I like to do things in my life when it comes to big time decisions that matter. Um, and I, I think <clears throat> it's the best way. It might not be the best way, but Coach Ference is really good at doing it. Um, and that's his style. And I think it's one of the many, many reasons that he's found a lot of success and longevity. So... So what prompted me to to ask you to come on was uh, a tweet last week of you mm-hmm. uh, in the in the Stanford game. Hardly of me, but well, you're there. I I was I tweeted it. I, I am in the picture. I am <laughs> far far away. <laughs> and I said, as a Cyclone fan, I took no pleasure in that game, and I didn't because I'd give my left testicle to even play in the Rose Bowl, let alone get blown out one. I don't even think it was fun for so, Stanford. No, <laughs> no, I think it was fun for anybody. Uh, what what are your, I mean, what was that? This is such a cliche question, but I mean, clearly it was no fun. But just what what happened there? What? <laughs> oh, you know that old cliche. What <laughs> right? Happened there? What happened um, there? How did it feel to get beat? No, uh, those are such terrible questions. But I guess what I'm trying to get at is is like that. At some point, you're like, you know, can we just speed the clock up. Is this over? What? Yeah. Fucking immediately. Basically. Right. Um, I mean, we did like, we were really dejected from that big 10 championship. Like felt like we, um, fuck, we just let it slip. That um, was a heartbreaker that hurt. And I think that, I think we carried some of that with us. Um, we were more beat up than I think people probably knew. Um, I think that Stanford was simply better than us. Just, you know, we play 10 times. I think they win seven or eight of them. Um, definitely not as good as the scoreboard showed, but you know, you let a fucking boulder roll down a hill and it gets going pretty fast and you can't stop it. Um, I, yeah, we're, we just, we're, we're cyclone fans. We absolutely understand that. Yeah, and we, I mean, and, and we welcome to the welcome to the 1980s and <laughs> right. part of and the we, 90s. And we let that happen. Like we, um, 
very similar to like the opposite of what happened in the Ohio State game when we won 55 24. Right. Like we had no business beating them at all, let alone by 30. Mm-hmm. Um, and it goes to show like it's 11 on 11, 18 to 20 year old, 22 year old dudes out there. Like anybody can beat anybody. Um, mm-hmm. Generally, it is going to be like, oh, this team's generally going to win. This team probably isn't as good as most teams, whatever. There's some, there's some, uh, some themes that carry week to week, but uh, we fucked up and we let, um, we, we let him score on the first play. And then we got scared. And I mean, granted, he was and still is one of the most fucking electric athletes there is, but um you can't let him get hot. And then you play a little timid. You don't want to you don't want to mess something up. And then another, and they just take advantage of that. And then offense can't stay on the field. Defense is tired. So they just right. it, it it exponentially gets worse and worse. And all of a sudden it's 42-0. And you're like, well, this is not the way I wanted the end of the California trip to work out, but is what it is. Um, Outside of the result, like playing in the Rose bowl was sweet. It was one of the coolest things ever. Bomber jet went over during the national anthem, like running out onto that field. And it was hell of an experience, but yeah, the, the picture specifically that I put up was him returning a punt on us. And if you go to the clip on YouTube, you can pause it. And he catches the ball and we have basically our two gunners are kind of like right on his hip about a yard and a half diagonally from him. He steps up into a gap to basically where if you freeze frame it, there's four guys all around him and he gets out of it somehow. Like just that, that field was unfathomably slick and evidently just not to him. So he's making cuts and we're slipping all over the place. And like, it was fucking bad news bears from there. Not good. You know, I, it seems like a a trendy thing uh, as of late has been for uh, sports analysts to debunk the idea of momentum. And I would agree that momentum can shift pretty quickly, but sometimes, uh, sometimes there is something to be said for, like you said, that boulder rolling down the hill and it, you you change the way you're playing based off of what you're seeing. And sometimes that exacerbates that momentum and and it, it becomes a, a thing all in and of itself that it is is hard to to get in front of and, and just cascades. It's not impossible to stop. I I. I... I even have a teammate uh, that was a fullback a couple years younger than us that loves to talk about this whole idea of momentum in sports and how it's not real. Um, I don't, I I don't agree with that. I I don't think that it's not real. I do think it's absolutely 100% impossible to quantify Mm -hmm. or, or somehow um, uh, make tangible, but it is a hundred percent real when Christian McCaffrey takes the first, you know, we've been watching on film him fucking destroy teams all year. We're like, okay, I think we got a game plan where we're going to stifle this guy. We're going to win this game. First play, they run an angle route and he runs away from our entire defense. And everybody kind of looks at each other like, oh shit, (laughs) are are they actually as good as they look? And then everyone plays. and, And this is the intangible part of it is like, then everybody plays just a quarter of a percent different. Right. Or they question themselves a quarter of a second too much. And, and those things start to add up and that's the momentum. You can't Mm -hmm. quantify it. You can never measure it, 
but it's it is real like it's real and we were on the f- bad end of it that day i again i i as as a cyclone fan i completely understand that um uh, being on the wrong side of what a surefire you know what you think is going to be a competition it turns I mean, out right. to not 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 even in the rose bowl but plenty of times I sat in an Oklahoma game and watched, you know, yeah. players in the middle of the third quarter that started for Oklahoma on the sideline eating hot dogs because their day was over. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah I, I mean, unfortunately, I, I wasn't on many uh, on on that receiving end of many of those. Probably only that Stanford game and maybe two other games out of the fifty three games that I played in. So I was super fortunate. Um, and that's kind of Iowa's brand. They usually play close football, even if regardless of if yeah. they're worse than a team or if they're way better than a team, the game is always still going to be like a touchdown <laughs> or two touchdowns. Like that's just the way Iowa plays football. Um, quite a learning experience. Tyler, so, right. Go ahead, Tim. No, no, go ahead, Chris. No, that's right. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, speaking of, of learning experiences, I think um, I, this is kind of a, a big question, but if but if you could kind of sum up and maybe, uh, you know, just a, a couple sentences, what do you think are, are the main lessons uh, you have learned, uh, not just playing college football, but but kind of on your journey to this point? Um, that's a that's a question. Uh <clears throat> excuse me. I think that a lot of people think they work hard and they don't. It feels like they're working hard and they might see success from the effort that they're putting in, Mm -hmm. but there is, I've been, this is going to sound really self-centered, but this is what I think of when I think of that question. I've been, elite at two things in my life. And that is at one point I was probably a top. I thought I was a top 40 long snapper Mm -hmm. on the entire earth. And I am through this CrossFit journey, weaving my way into the top 1% of 1% in the sport. And the amount of work that was required to get to both of those places has been is always almost unfathomable for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And um and that's on top of me being naturally good at both of those things too. I already had a head start and the amount of work that I had to put in to to, to be world level elite at those two things has been unbelievable. Um I think that a lot of people think they work hard. And they don't realize how much more they could do. And it sounds so, I, I understand that. So like, Oh fuck, cool. You like train CrossFit, bro. You do so like, <laughs> but it just, it just is what it is. Like it's the mentality of I, I will do right now. I'm working out three hours minimum a day. Or when I was snapping, I would put in X amount of reps. That was probably more than anybody else put in and I would get done and I would still feel like I could do more. 
Mm-hmm. And I think that when you look at the most successful people, they simply are the ones who, yes, maybe they have it intellectually. They have some of these other things that have, that have started them a little further down the starting line. Um, but they also just put in a shitload of work. This podcast, I'm definitely not top 1% of podcasters in the world. We'd love, <laughs> we'd love to be. But same thing with this podcast. Like without any ROI at, at, for, for a long time, for a year or so, I was just putting in six, eight, 10 hours a week on this podcast. Fortunately, because I loved doing it and it was fun, but I was putting in a shitload of work and just not seeing a whole lot of ROI on it. And like now I've seen it gradually increase. The more work I put into it, that we put into it, the bigger the brand gets and the better it does. And so like, I don't know. I just think that while I've been very, very lucky, I've also been subject to the fact that like, there's always somebody that's doing more and working harder. And that's, that's, I don't know, probably the biggest lesson in my life. I just never want to feel like there was more left on the table. Um, The other thing I would say that's less like sort of, puff my chest out and talk about how hard I work is um, happiness and finding freedom. Again, kind of going back to like my job being stupid. And when I say that, I say I get to wake up whenever I want and basically have freedom of schedule every day in my life, go work from wherever I want to. Um, uh, they, They say money can't buy happiness and it's, True. I think that money takes away a lot of the stress that eats away at happiness. So there is definitely a correlate there. Right. Yeah. I'd I'd like to test that theory. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But I think that truly investing in your, your own, uh, you could call it mental health, but it's more of a combination of mental health and physical health. Obviously Mm -hmm. I'm big into the physical health part of it, Mm -hmm. but like getting quality sleep and eating good food and taking care of your body and walking in the sunshine and drinking a bunch of water, like taking care of yourself and investing into your actual physical and mental emotional health has a exponential ROI that a lot of times seems uh, a lot of times people only look at the direct financial component of that. How much does it cost for a gym membership? How much does it cost to eat healthy? How, or what does it cost me? Um, but the return on that investment is just crazy. And when you, when you actually are wake up and you're just happy and you feel good and you're well-rested, even if you don't have the, the fortune of working a job of freedom, like I do, and you do have to go to a nine to five, that nine to five is, that time frame during the day, you're going to be so much more happy and productive and just positive in your life. And that's, I don't know. I would just say invest in your, in your personal health. Yeah. I, I, Perfect. I, yeah, very much appreciate that. I, you know, mental health is physical health and, and vice versa. Mm-hmm. For sure. In your, in your coaching that you do for, for CrossFit and so on, do you find yourself, uh, talking a lot about mental mental health along with their physical health. I think there's a big thing to that. I've I've gone through I mean, I, I've been pretty open about my weight loss journey 
yo-yo back and forth. I mean, I've been as high as 460 pounds and as down as low as 200. I mean, it's, and there, I remember uh, when I'd gotten down to to 200 pounds, I used to think getting there, I used to think once I'm physically where I want to be, I'll be fine. My life will be fine. Mm. Not realizing that mentally um, there was a lot there too that I had to fix and I had to work on. Do you find yourself working with that a lot uh, with your clients? Um, yeah, I, you know, I'm obviously not like the licensed therapist, right? So try not to give like too much advice on what they should do. People should do for their mental health. I know this, that if you eat good food in the right amount, in the right amounts and you get it the right amount of sunlight and you do enough of the things that make you happy and you sleep the right amount and you move your body and sweat and exercise and lift weights, doing all of those things is going to have drastic effects on your mental health versus if you eat like shit and you don't sleep and you're hungover three times a week and you smoke cigarettes and you are stuck during the day, not doing things that you enjoy and all, you know, the opposite of all of that. Um, it's not a fix, but it's not going to hurt. Right. It's like, you know, so, um, there's definitely a lot of mental, emotional connection between in what I do, which is like how people kind of think about food and their relationship with food and exercise. And we do talk a lot about that. Um, it kind of stays, food and exercise based though, we don't get a ton down the the rabbit hole of, of like mental health. Yeah. All right, Tim, we'll wrap up with my final question that we always wrap up with. So, and then we'll get you, let you, you probably got a podcast to edit later. Don't you Tyler? I, I got it. <laughs> I literally got it edited and published one minute before I jumped in the call. Look oh, at you. Uh, <laughs> 2022 Tyler is certainly a different person than he was in 2012. What advice do you, would you go back and give 2012 Tyler Kluber? Mm. Mm. Well, there's two sides of me on that one because, uh, one side of me wants to say jump So 2012, I was um, a senior in high school and I just found CrossFit and I knew that I wanted to, at some point pursue it. Um, And it obviously has become a a big portion of my life. Um, So, so important that I'm, like I said earlier, I'm treating myself basically as a professional CrossFit athlete. And if I would have started that journey of trying to be the best at CrossFit, the sports side of things 10 years ago. I think I would be, I truly believe I'd be one of the best 30 in the world right now at it. Um, and that's very intriguing. So I, I would, I, I want to say, Hey, don't go to college, start coaching CrossFit and doing CrossFit and throw yourself headlong into it at 18. And you'll eventually end up probably coaching you know, I'd be on hours. I'd be getting paid an hour, a salary. I'd probably be coaching five, 6am classes, 
noon class, four, five, 6 p.m. classes. But in my hobby, I would be much further along right now. But I also wouldn't have all of the incredible things that the platform of Iowa football afforded me because I wouldn't have played Iowa football. Um, and I'd probably, I probably still want that in, in my life. So I'd probably say, uh, wow, what a good question. And I'm sure you get that answer from everybody. What a good question. Um, (laughs) I would tell myself to, um, always, always dive in and learn how to do anything that interests you. Anything. That's part of why our podcast has been successful is because I was way back in sixth grade and I kind you know, I was kind of already doing that, but I would like reiterate it to myself, like, Hey, anything that you're interested in, dive into it. Just like fully immerse yourself. My best friend and I, and this may be the start of where now at 27 years old, me being a content creator and an entrepreneur comes from my best friend and I back in sixth grade in 2005, 2006, when YouTube came out, we immediately were like, we started making like home videos and little like comedy skits and basically like trying to be, you know, we had some people at the time who were the first ever creators on YouTube. And I got really into like, oh, we could like post videos and we could edit them and like put words on the screen. And like, there's the very simple shit of editing. Um, And that kind of like was the first time where I really had a spark of like, I could be creative and make stuff. Um, And that later formed into like me getting into a lot of YouTube and watching people who were content creators and watching people edit videos and getting to, you know, a, a little deeper than your average person on microphones and technology. And that, that afforded me the ability to kind of understand when we wanted to start the podcast, how to do that. Um, the more skills you have, the more weapons you have to basically monetize. Right. And so I've been lucky enough that I have a passion for fitness that I've been able to monetize. And I have a creative side of me combined with the platform of Iowa that I've been able to monetize. And a lot of people can do that if they, if they dive deep enough into whatever their, their weapons are. So. Well, it's good. I, I wish 2022 Tyler Cliff could go talk to 1992 Tim Johnson. Um, I, think right. that's, I think that's some pretty good advice. Yeah. Um, Tyler, now is your opportunity where uh, we want to invite you to plug whatever you want to plug, share whatever you want to share about uh, where people can find you, about what's going on with uh, uh, washed up walk-ons or, or anything else you want to share. Sure. Um Nothing special. Just Tyler Kluver on all social media. Um, Washed up walk-ons on all social media. Podcast comes out on Mondays and Thursdays. If you're interested during the season, usually is better content. So we're, we're getting close. We've got a couple months down the pipe here and we'll be pumping out like, and that's usually when our listens pick up as well. Um, otherwise, if you're real interested and you want to lose 10, 15, 20 pounds, you can contact me and we can talk about getting you into the, the July challenge that I'm running. So, other than that, I got nothing to plug. 
No, I know. I, I love it. We'll, we'll take it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Tyler, we very much appreciate you joining us. Uh, it's been an absolute delight to get to know you a little bit more to to kind of hear a little bit of, I think, what's been a, a non-traditional journey uh, compared to a lot of the guests that, that we've I would had. say so. Yeah. Um, and and I, I'm certainly struck by your humility. Uh, you've mentioned a lot of times that you're lucky. Um, and, uh, you know, I think I promise you I am. I really <laughs> but no, I, I appreciate that you are not taking anything for granted and that you're you're seizing some opportunities. I think that's fantastic. So I, I very much thank you very much for coming on the episode. Absolutely. I had a, I had a blast. I'm going to go to probably right to sleep after this. Oh, perfect. Well, uh, that'll work. Chris, anything you, you have to say? No, I, I, again, thank you, Tyler. Thank you for coming on. It was nice to hear you talk so glowingly about your podcast host. That's a nice change around here. So. <laughs> uh, usually, usually we try to get a, a jab in on each other and, and uh, there's, it took me a while, but. There's pl- if you listen to our podcast on a regular basis, I am basically <laughs> the punching bag 24 seven. So. Well, you and I are kindred spirits, uh, um, but no, uh, you know, give, give our sponsor a follow Revelton distilling company, uh, on Twitter, uh, at Revelton DC, uh, Hunter Mason live music at, at their tasting room this Saturday, June 25th. It's, uh, 1400 West Clay street in Osceola, Iowa. So, uh, go check them out, uh, and, uh, give them a follow on Twitter. Yes, excellent. And again, you can go ahead and find us on Twitter at strength underscore old. Find Chris at side grad, side dad. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. I vastly in and out between whether or not I want to be part of that wretched forum or not. Uh, but you can certainly follow uh, all of our new Three Beards Media social media platforms, as Chris mentioned. Uh, we uh, are expanding our presence there so if you want to be on tiktok or instagram or friendster or myspace or <laughs> any of those things please go ahead and check us out there. i'll be dissing myspace <laughs> tyler doesn't even know what that is by the way. Yeah, I, oh, I know what myspace is myspace was lit i had a top eight i had a top eight friends <laughs> excellent well again we appreciate you guys joining us for yet another edition of old man strength and we will see you guys next time i don't want to get on the bandwagon i'll burn that wagon down and join the band traveling troubadours terrorizing street corners just to try to get some supper in our hands now I waited all my life to get this off my chest screen bloody murder until someone understands that it ain't about the money, the drugs, or the women. I make this noise just because I can. And we'll all join in.